It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. Hey, what's going on, Mason? How you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. How you been? I've been pretty great and excited for this this season to finally get get kicked off. Yeah, man. Every it feels like every year the season starts earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It does feel like this off season was short, but somehow more painful. I mean, not painful is not the right word, but uh, I think I'm just extra excited for this year. I don't know if like my, my my fan interest goes up every year or or if it's just this one specifically, but but I'm ready. Yeah, me too. And I'm uh, the. Uh, the Pelicans' first preseason game is in Chicago, so I'm pretty pretty pumped about that. I get to I get to watch the team before anyone else in New Orleans does. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Denver's in San Diego for camp, so I ended up having to fly <laughs> an extra expense I was hoping to avoid this year uh, to go watch them work out. But um, are they not doing like training camp somewhere? I know there's a couple teams that are going to China and stuff. New Orleans isn't doing that, are they? No, nothing I've heard there. They're just the standard standard stuff. You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mades. All right, well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. You can check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the voice you are hearing across from me via Skype is Mason Ginsburg uh, covering the New Orleans Pelicans for Bourbon Street Shots. Uh, our resident uh, Pelicans expert and as continuing my series on which teams are fighting for the playoff spot and possibly a team that can knock the Nuggets out of a playoff spot. The Pelicans certainly fit that bill. Um, so I want to talk about Mason about or talk with Mason about uh, just where that team is at. And let me start with this. What were some of the big additions and subtractions to the uh, the Pelicans roster this year? Well, um, I think everyone everyone knows maybe one of the craziest moments of, of the offseason being uh, DeMarcus Cousins uh, parting ways and, and heading over to uh, to the Bay to play with the, the Warriors for at least part of the season whenever he can he can get back. And so that was a it was a pretty crazy 24 hour period where with the Rondo news, Julius Randall news and then Cousins. It was it was a uh, it was a lot <laughs> of ups and downs, to say the least. Um, did you I, I did think, you think that Cousins was going to go? I mean, did you think he would be back? 
Yes, I wasn't confident about it, but I did think he was going to be back. I just I, the market kept dwindling for centers. I mean, you saw all these teams, and then when the news finally broke about DeAndre Jordan to Dallas, you just looked at the the landscape of the NBA, and you just where is he going to get the money from? And the Pelicans had right. his bird rights, so it just seemed like they were going to be able to, even if it was just a one year uh, prove it deal, that they could give him you know ten, twelve million, and, and or, or whatever it would end up costing. And and Cousins said. I don't think he must have felt disrespected and, and decided to take a take a one year one year deal with the Warriors. So the Falcons <laughs> took it and, and uh, took it in stride and, and they were ready for a backup plan. And I think they found a pretty good one in, uh, in Julius Randle. Um, also being added, uh, Alfred Payton, who I'm actually I think he's OK. I don't think he's I don't think he's as bad as he looked in Orlando. What's uh, what do you make of him replacing Rajon Rondo? Yeah, so uh, I'll say our so the the co-host for uh, or he does most of the hosting. I'm I'm kind of the the side guy, I, I guess, in our podcast with uh, Schmidt uh, for for our Bourbon Street Shots podcast. He he wrote a great column on uh, Gentry Ball and how Alfred Payton specifically fits the team really well in terms of uh, getting getting quick good looks. Um, you know, he he uh, I, I can't remember the exact stat, but something about how he's he's one of the best guards at getting getting to the rim and finishing at the rim which is uh i thought pretty interesting and not something that i feel like most people would know about about him because hmm. i mean not many people probably know a lot about him just because he's the teams he's played on between phoenix and, and orlando and so i don't think he's you know i think it's one of the it's similar to rondo where he's almost certainly not going to be in, in a, any sort of finishing five rotation but i think he can do a lot of the things that Rondo did not, I mean, I think the, what Rondo brought to the Pelicans off the court was, was uh, more than what you can expect from, from Peyton. But I think he'll, uh, I, I think he'll fill a lot of the role uh, that Rondo did on offense um, for, you know, I, I think I don't know if he'll start, but it, it wouldn't shock me if they want to keep playing Drew off the ball. Um, defensively, it's a, you know, it's, it's bad, but again, not, not worse than what Rondo gave the Pelicans on defense. What about the, the Randall Davis pairing in the front court. Do you, first of all, do you think that'll play a lot of minutes? And then second of all, what is that going to look like? Yeah, I, I think uh, the general uh, consensus at this point is that it's, you're going to see a lot of the pairings of those, those three guys between yeah. those two and, and Nico. And well, so Meritich and Davis are like a perfect pairing. I mean, to me, I think it's underrated how good those guys fit together, but, but Randall's so, so different. Yeah. I, I think some people are trying to, almost be too cute with uh, thinking about, oh, should Julius Randle start instead of Nico? It's like, I mean, <laughs> the, what what Nico and AD did together while, uh, I mean, down the stretch of the season and then the playoffs, it's, I don't think you rocked the boat there. I think I think you stick with uh, what was working. But that being said, I mean, Rand Randle's going to play almost close to starters minutes, if not starters minutes. And I, I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, I, I think that the three of them, uh, every, every different pairing is intriguing. And so yeah. that's, uh, I think that's one of the things that most of, most of us are most are excited about is to see how each of those even even Nico and Randall I think will be will be fun. Uh, not that we'll, we want to see AD off the court for any for any extended period of time, but right. um, it should be should be cool. What's going to be the team's biggest strength this year? What what is their bread and butter? Um, <laughs> Anthony Davis. Uh, no, <laughs> kind but, uh, of. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's there. It it, it it's probably. I mean, honestly, there when Cousins went down. They went from an offensive power and defensive kind of struggling defensively to the opposite. And I think I think also one I, I got it. It was easy to forget is Solomon Hill, um, and he's he's not going to give you much of anything on offense. Mm -hmm. And he was cut, and he's 
came back pretty slowly from his hamstring injury and he was uh you know he didn't really contribute much even in the playoffs but i mean the hamstring injuries have a pretty good history of full recoveries and so i think solomon hill and what he'll add to the team as a, as a you know as another wing player on it for a team that kind of like denver is so so thin on pure wings uh big bigger wings i should say um is i think he'll be helpful too and i think this team's going to be pretty solid defensively they got a lot of they're, they're going to be pretty switchable uh in the sense that they don't they don't really have those big wings but they do have a lot of guards with size uh and i think the the uh the, the front court players they had defensively even even nico was pretty good in the playoffs up until the, the golden state warriors bus uh, uh defensively so uh it, i think defense is going to be their their calling card especially i mean they had two two guys who made first team uh, all defense last year yeah um is there a player on the roster that you think is is going to make a big leap this year um, and he could even be one of the new two new additions, but is there somebody you think will be significantly better than last year, not just marginally? Um, tough to, I, I think so. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if how, how big the gap has to be to qualify for this, but uh, Ian Clark is a guy who mm. really kicked it up a notch uh, down the stretch. I, and I think the post cousins style of play really, really helped him. Uh, and hit, the numbers with him and drew on the court together were actually really really strong um, last season. And so uh, I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table. And, and I think the Pelicans agree. Uh, I, I was surprised when they got him back on non-bird. Uh, I thought maybe someone would give him a little more money than that. But uh, now the Pelicans are one year away from having full bird rights on him. And I, I think that he's a guy they, they want to keep in, in their rotation. Um, so I'm excited to see him play. First of all, that's Denver Nuggets Summer League standout, Ian Clark. Uh, you, need, <laughs> you need to make sure to put that in there. Um, but uh, no, Ian Clark is a guy that I think is offensively, he's such a good fifth option off ball shooter. I mean, he just moves well without the ball. He knows how to play defensively. You got to allow him a lot of a, a lot of protection I think for me the guy I could see Alfred Payton surprising people this year I don't he's not an all-star I mean we, we kind of know what what style of player he is and sort of like what his ceiling is but I think he's I just think he's better than people give him credit for it there's always we do this every every year there's the player that's been in a bad organization on a bad team mm-hmm. with bad coaching and you write them off and then they go somewhere where that's not the case and all of a sudden you're like oh where'd all these skills come from <laughs> yeah and I, I I think the the key for New Orleans is they're going to have to figure out they don't want to have two non shooters on the floor at the same time and and yeah. so they got to kind of play with him and uh, and Solomon Hill and figure out what what works because I mean there's a good case to be made that the Pelicans should uh, you know should open the season with the starting lineup of Drew Moore and and Solomon Hill if they want to really double down on defense and 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 clamp down on teams but uh, the flip side of that is trying to replicate what they did last year with Rondo and playing uh, playing Peyton and Ron and playing. Peyton and Holiday together. So uh, I'm really curious uh, who they who they end up going with as their starting five to start the year. Here, here's my hot take. Lineups featuring Peyton, Nico, and uh, Davis are going to be really, really good offensively. I think I, I don't even I, – I do think the, the spacing in, from the two and the three is important, but I think more important is this that four-five spacing. And there's few players, if any, that better at that vertical spacing than Anthony Davis. And then Miritich is just a knockdown shooter. I, I, I think I, I'm going to – I feel pretty good about about my Alfred Payton's going to have a good year, good year pick. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if he's sharing uh, the backcourt with Drew and then on each one more, it, it's it's a little undersized, but only against certain teams. You know that that yeah. was one of the things we talked about last year uh, when they when they went so hard on this three guard lineup when Solomon Hill got injured was 
Yeah, I mean, the the Golden State Warriors of the world are going to kill you with that. The, the, the Celtics. So there there are a few teams that you're going to struggle when you have each one more at the three or, or even Drew Holiday at the three on, on defense. But a lot of these teams, the, the Falcons have enough bigger guards to really make it work. And I think that's they showed that last year. You know, <laughs> poor Etuan Moore got matched up against all these big guys so often. But, uh, I mean, he's he's a capable defender um, for guys that's that that are his size. And so, um, <laughs> for the three so or four I, I, players his size in the league, yes. <laughs> no, I'm uh, just teasing you. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask Mason about the the weaknesses on the roster and some of the ways that the, the season could go sideways and maybe knock them out of the playoffs. We'll be, we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here with... uh Mason Ginsburg covering the New Orleans Pelicans and we're looking at why they will or why they won't make the playoffs. I think why they will, we discussed in that first section, a lot of the, the things that make them interesting. Biggest weaknesses on this team. What would you say is the team's biggest weakness or maybe their two biggest weaknesses? So the interesting thing, I mean, wing depth is, is clear first and foremost, that's, that's a problem for them. And, and, and kind of a underrated issue is, as good as Ian Clark was uh, in the second half of the year, Darius Miller, who gave him really good minutes to, to you know, in November, December was knocking down a bunch of shots. Uh, Cousins helped him uh, give him more space. And uh, he, he kind of struggled uh, in the second half of the year. And um, it, it, he's one of the guys the Pelicans will probably try to count on for, you know, 20, 20 minutes or so a game. Uh, and it, uh, that, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if, if that trend continues and he can't, figure it out and he he can't gain and get his confidence back that's that's a tough spot um for the pelicans because they, they're just they're just so thin there on the wing and having those sizable guys to guard to guard some of those bigger bigger players in the league but um i think depth the, i think depth not even at the wing clearly because like denver they're sort of forcing guys into spots maybe that aren't aren't perfectly natural at that three spot but even even inside i think there's there's something there i mean Obviously, if Davis misses, then the team goes completely sideways. But if Miritich misses, I think the team is loses quite a bit. And you could maybe make the case even that Julius Randle, we haven't seen him, so we don't know. But, you know, he's a guy that I'm counting on to be a positive player off the bench for them. Any one of the misses from those three guys, if they roll an ankle or foul trouble or whatever, I think they're significantly worse. Look, look, man, I, I, you're not giving Jaleel Okafor enough credit. Okay? <laughs> uh, I was listening uh, to I JJ mean, Reddick's podcast today. He he double he also was singing the praises. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely true. They but the, they've got three guys who between them can shoulder most of the load on any given night in the front court. And if you add Solomon Hill to that, spending a few minutes at the four, what, it, given the fact the Pelicans are probably going to play a lot of small ball. Um, you've got enough there, but you're right. If, if one of those those big three guys missed time, that's that's trouble. Diallo, um, that, he he put up some empty stats in summer league. I'll say uh, I I still <laughs> think we're we were hoping for more of a jump from him, and he's I mean at this point he's probably he's still no more than a fifth big, and he's going to have to show a little more to 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 deserve more playing time. Emeka Okafor was was great in his role, but he is what he is. I mean he's he's 35, 36 years old, and and he can he can help, but only in 
only against certain teams in certain situations. So um, it's a it's a fair point. Um, and if there's any other weakness I really point to with this team, it's uh, you know a lot of us have been singing the praises of you know the Pelicans were were so good uh, with Nico on, on the team and like and, and they were on pace for 50 plus wins. And the, the flip side of that is they're playing such a fast pace. And can you sustain that for 80, an 82 uh, game season in playoffs? Yeah. And, and I think, I think, and, and that's, that's getting talked about more and more. And, and it's, it's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know the answer. Uh, and, and even more interesting will be how Gentry manages that. And I, I think he'll probably try to keep that rotation a little deeper during the season to keep, keep legs as fresh as possible. But to your, to our you know earlier point, the Pelicans aren't that deep at a lot of positions. So, uh, so we'll have to see how it plays out. I think that depth will manifest itself. One of the things Denver had really two years ago and a little bit last year was they had a lot of depth, but there was only certain combinations that worked, and then other combinations didn't. And I think you might run into a little bit of that. You talked earlier a little bit about uh, Etwan Moore and, okay, we got to put a big guard next to him so you have some size in the backcourt. I think there's going to be a lot of those where – you know, oh, we got to sub this guy out for foul trouble. But if we sub him out, we got to sub this other guy out because we can't play this guy without that guy. And I, I think there might be for the coaching staff. I think there might be a lot of difficult sort of piecing together the puzzle uh, with with five man lineups. Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, and they're looking for they've they basically what they did for their training camp roster was, it was stocked a bunch of uh, uh you know. W- wings on on two-year unguaranteed deals and, and see if one sticks with I, I think they like Troy Williams a lot I, I, I he's not a guy that's gonna you know I, I don't think he's gonna come out of nowhere and suddenly be a, a huge huge pl- positive player but I think they're they're hoping he he sticks um another guy it's not gonna help on the wing but if he can stay healthy knock on wood is, is Frank Frank Jackson their uh, early second round pick from last season and uh, he, he had a great few minutes of summer league and then went down and got hurt again. And so um, he, he's, he's talented. I, I think there's no doubt. And I think the Pelicans really think he can help this year. Um, mm. So I think that's, that's going to be one of the key uh, questions early on for the Pelicans is, is can he provide some additional depth in, in the rotation and, and provide positive minutes for this team? Is there a player you think will regress this year that maybe takes a step back that, that, from what they pr- gave you last year? Uh, I mean, Drew was so good down the stretch last year, so good. and and he was he uh, he was I mean he was great all year long, uh, and then down the stretch in the playoffs he just took it to another level. Uh, he but, dominated so against I, he, guys that are ranked higher than him. You know, I mean, like yeah. he just outplayed. Um, yep. th- even in that first series, the Portland one, I think he was the best guard in the series. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So that's I mean, he's a. He's a reasonable pick, not because I don't think he's going to be good again this year. It's just because he was—he just ended the season so strong, and yeah. and and we we talked about pace already, and, and keeping keeping that up for 82 games, and and being the guy he was on both ends of the floor could be, you know, could be tough. Um, I I don't I think what you saw from Nico is what you'll get. He's a streaky shooter. He was actually kind of trash shooting the ball for the Pelicans the first mm-hmm. month or so he was on the team, and then he picked it up uh especially during the playoffs but uh i think the fact that he can he's a competent defender he's not a guy who's going to be a, a clear negative i think he showed in the portland series what he can do on the defensive end um so i think he's there's a decent baseline for him uh so i'm not as concerned about him apart from the fact that he'll probably be streaky at times from the three-point line so um yeah so drew's that guy uh i and hopefully he can keep keep up pick up where he left off last year but it's going to be you know that he was playing at just such a high level on both sides what do you think Etuan Moore shoots from from three this year? Because he was forty two point five percent, which is anything north of forty is incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I mean, he's been for the bulk of his career, he's been a good three point shooter, and so. Well, I, I think, think he's good, know, but I think yeah, career. Th- I'm looking at it here. Career thirty eight percent. The, the mm-hmm. difference between thirty eight percent and forty two, I think, is pretty massive. <laughs> it's, it, it is pretty massive. Um, so, I mean, he, I I don't expect that kind of uh, deviation from his his typical performance. Uh, but um, you know, as long as he can continue to, to shoot the ball well and be a be a threat. I yeah. think that um, you know that 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 helps this team. Um, I'm I'm more curious about guys like Darius Miller and the other guys that we rely on to help space the floor. If they can if they can make it not only make it at a competent rate, but uh, but actually force teams to care. Uh, so that yeah. that'll matter. All right, give me a yes or no answer for these. If Anthony Davis misses 20 games, do the Pelicans make the playoffs? Um, uh, gut is. It's borderline. Um, I I think that I think they're very fringe. I feel pretty comfortable with them as a playoff team right now. Um, it's hard to feel super comfortable in the Western Conference, but I feel like the, what they've done this offseason, I think they're that I would be surprised if they don't make it. But if AD misses twenty games, I mean they, they better get 80, 80 games healthy from Randall and Nico to uh, yeah. to to make the playoffs. Otherwise, they'll be in trouble. So he's missed twenty games twice. Um, I think he's missed. It looks like sixteen games once. So it, it's kind of it's not unheard of that he would miss. He's a little injury prone, as most guys with his athleticism and uh, that play kind of as hard as he does. Um, what about Drew Holiday? If Drew Holiday misses, I'll say twenty-two games, um, do they make the playoffs? Um. Well, I feel like I, I I gave one answer for eighty, and I can't really give a different answer for a lesser player. Not no no slight to Drew, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's I, I, and I do think if there's anywhere they have, I think they do have okay. Um, like tread water depth at, at at guard, but the thing is, like, they, they, he's he's just so versatile on both ends. It does so much for them. They're uh, the only way that they make the playoffs if Drew misses significant time is if Solomon Hill takes a big step from from where where he was uh, last year mm-hmm. um, and, and can and can be a, a factor, especially on defense the way he was two years ago. But I mean, anything he can give on offense it would be great. <laughs> What about this one, Miritich? Um, I'll say twenty-five games. If he misses twenty-five games, do they make the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's a sustainable um, player to, to, or you, you can, you can get by without him for a chunk of time because AD and Drew are just your, they're you're clear, you're clearly your best two players, and if you've got them, I, I think uh, you can survive without without Nico. You can you can put lineups together, and and even with uh, you know, with with Randall uh, playing small ball with Randall at the five when AD sits and. Um, and Solomon Hill at the four, you can, but you can piece it together without him. Yeah. All right. Well, how many games are they going to win? What's your What's your prediction? Uh, have you made an official one yet, or, or just what's your general <laughs> sense? I I mean I I think we're I think they got better as a team than they were last year, um, given all the factors that were, that were at play, uh, especially you know because Boogie missed half the year. Um, so I, I I like them to finish upper forties and wins, uh, which is right around where they were last year. The, the I mean, yes, I think they got better, but also the Western Conference somehow <laughs> got better again. Yeah. Um, the only team that got considerably worse or that lost a major player was uh, was the Spurs, and uh, 
and they didn't even have Kawhi Leonard last year for except for a few games and they still made the playoffs. So it's it's it just keeps getting tougher and tougher. So um, I, I like I like them around where they were last year, 48 wins or so. 48. I mean, every this is, I think, the fourth show I've done and everybody is saying 48 wins for really? their team. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, so last year. Seeds four through uh, through eight were forty eight or forty seven. Yeah. yeah. So. so it's not that crazy. Um, where do you think that gets them this next year in terms of you know in the playoffs? What seed uh, would forty eight get them? Um, I, I think they're again. I think they're right around where they were uh, last year. I mean, the Rockets, Warriors are are, are clearly better. Uh, Thunder are better. Jazz, Jazz, I think are are better. Um, yeah. And then the rest, the rest kind of comes down to. Uh, I mean, I think Minnesota's maybe slightly better right now, but the Jimmy Butler situation is interesting. So we'll have to watch how that plays out. So, I mean, I think they're, I think they're a better team than the Lakers top to bottom. Um, and I would, would, I, I would pick them to win more games than, than LA just cause I think LeBron is going to take some games off. He can't do that, do it all himself. So I have him around, around the sixth best team, maybe seventh best team in the conference. One team Mason did not mention right there, the Denver Nuggets, and that's who we're going to talk about in the final section here. So let's take a quick break and let's get Mason's opinion about the Nuggets. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Nuggets fans now, I, I can feel their their anger. They're they're shuffling in their chairs. All these teams you talked about getting better. No mention of of the team in Denver. Uh, so just right off the bat, uh, you seem to have Denver in a lower tier than teams like New Orleans, Minnesota, the L.A. Uh, does that sound about right, or or was that just I, you forgot to mention them? <laughs> so yeah, I, so I don't have them in a, in a lower tier. Um, I, I the two teams I have missing the playoffs. Uh, I, I feel like it's a 10 team deep conference yeah. at this point. And yeah. I think it's, the, I think it's the Spurs and the, and the Blazers that miss. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think Nuggets are a playoff team. I have them right around that same, that same group. I think there's a giant cluster there, even, even with the Spurs and Blazers. But I, I, I just think, I think the Spurs have real problems with their wing defense. Now. Uh, I think that's something that pops a, a magician, but I'm, if they, if he can pull out a, a, a good defense from what he's got now, um, I mean, they've got, <laughs> It's it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough, and then I think um, I, I think Portland got worse, um, not much worse, but I I I think just in in just stack ranking those ten teams, I mean even though I mean they're all they're all damn good, but uh, I I I like Denver to make the playoffs over this over the Spurs and over the Blazers. If you were to guess a win total for them, where would you go? Um, I'd say I mean they're man, pretty close, pretty close to New Orleans. <laughs> I like I like the Pelicans team a little bit better, but like it's not it's. It's not. There's no wide margin by any by any stretch. I just think I think the Pelicans on are are more uh, 
the versatile. I, I guess I, I feel better about them on, on, on a lot better than them on defense. And I think the Nuggets are a better offensive team, but I think the gap for New Orleans to Denver on defense is, is a little bit, just a little bit wider than with Nuggets to Pelicans on offense. And so, I mean, I think, I think Denver's around, around where they were last year, 246, 47, because they're, they get a full season, hopefully a Paul Millsap back. And so, um, assuming that happens, they, they should be a little bit better, but the, you know, flip side again of that is the, the conference got tougher, just like what yeah. I, just like my rest now for New Orleans. So, uh, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a big cluster in the West again. I've actually got Denver ahead of New Orleans and just from tier, not, I mean, I do, I, I think that all these teams are going to be within a couple of games. I don't think it'll be that crazy of a, a separation, but you know, I look at it. I think golden state is in a tier all their own. I think Utah, Houston, Maybe even Oklahoma City if they're healthy. Although these some of these health concerns now are, are starting to creep up, I think those teams yeah. are sort of in a tier. And then I put Minnesota, Lakers, and Denver. I mean, Lakers. Who knows? They're such a. I mean, they're such a mystery. But Lakers, Minnesota, Denver in a tier. And then I have New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio. With New Orleans as sort of the better of those three, but they're in the same tier. So that's. I, I mean, so it sounds fairly similar, and I, 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 I. I like that we're kind of aligned on who the the two teams that miss out, and I think that's what Vegas has too. But not like it's not like it's any sure bet. But I think yeah. I think uh, we both agree on the top eight teams, regardless. But yeah, I I, I mean, they're uh, I, the, the hope with if, if you're buying into New Orleans, it's that they're they're running back the same group that really played great down the stretch last year, and with the lone exception of Rondo to, to Peyton. And uh, if, if, if losing Rondo is going to make or break your season, you have other problems is, is kind of where I'm at. And so, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I would have loved to get him back. Um, I would, would have hated put it paying him the full mid-level exception to do it. Um, I'd much rather grab what they did, grab a guy like Alfred Payton for the biannual and, 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 put, and throw their full uh, – full mid-level at, uh, at, at Julius Randle because I think he's going to play a, a, a key role for them. So, like I said, I think the roster's better than it was last year. Um, marginally so, but still better. I'm going to try to look at the post-All-Star break because that, that trade happened right at the All-Star break, did it, wasn't it? Bef- Actually, bef- uh, the, the Nico trade happened before it. Uh, oh, a little so. bit before. Okay, mm-hmm. and yeah, so they went 17-8 and eight after the All-Star break, Denver 14-10. and 10. Um, so actually, yeah, New Orleans, I know Denver kind of had, had a run there, but it looks like New Orleans just, just about the exact same. Although I think if you extend that through February, I think Denver might've been a little bit ahead. February was a crazy month because Jokic averaged a triple double for the month. And Anthony Davis was the Western conference player of the month because he averaged (laughs) like 40 points and had a bunch of game winning plays. So, um, I think both teams kind of had a very, uh, their seasons ran parallel in terms of when they, when they got good. Um, how do you think New Orleans matches up with Denver in a playoff series if the two teams were to meet? Uh, I think so. I, I think New Orleans matches up better with Denver than a lot of other teams because, like, I, I, it's kind of the point that we harped on a, a couple of times earlier is that there's no wing player on Denver. I'm concerned about the Pelicans yeah. going small and not having success against, and so uh, the the front court battle will be really fun to watch does it, i mean you've got a bunch of all-stars down there between uh between Millsap, Jokic, and then um ad and you know N- nico's not an all-star nor is randall but i think that i think they're both capable you know if if nico's hot and, and if if randall fits in as well as a lot of players a lot of people hope that he does he can get to you know a, a, you know being a very hopefully being a very strong player at all-star, all-star level maybe a little bit of a stretch but uh that'll be that'll be fun to watch um, whoever they throw Drew up against would be is going to be uh, pr- 
pretty pretty fun. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that it, it just it, it would just be pretty pretty switchable for the Pelicans on defense matching up against uh, against Denver. So I think I like that matchup better than uh, some of the other teams in the in the Western Conference. I'm trying to look here to see. I know they played once with Paul Millsap healthy. It might have been the only time they played with with Millsap there. And I'm trying to see they lost. It was one, oh that was the game. Wow, so that was the 146 to 114 game. I I, oh, I didn't God. realize it was that one. So that was Denver put up their highest total in the last like ten years. Um, again, I don't know. I I just don't recall that game well enough to remember if there was a re. Oh, it's because they started out. It was like 30 to four to start the game. Um, the Pelicans actually stormed back in the middle portion of that game, if I recall. Um, yeah, I don't see any anything in here that would lead me to believe Paul Millsap has Anthony Davis's number or anything like that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was hoping there would be something in there, but that does not appear to be the case. Um, <laughs> Alrighty, well, I guess that's it. Uh, here, it sounds like every so far, I've had all these guests on. Everybody seems to have their team as good but not great, which I think is accurate. But everybody putting them their team at 48 wins, I think, is especially interesting, <laughs> especially since my total for Denver is also 48. So uh, <laughs> it sounds like the playoffs are going to be Golden State, Houston, Utah, and then everybody else just tied at 48 wins. <laughs> that I mean, given what we saw last year, that actually would not shock me. Yeah, wouldn't shock me either. Mason, thank you so much for coming on this show. Um, and to everybody else, thanks for tuning in. We will be back again tomorrow with a brand new episode. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.